Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. This is episode 77, and it's an opportunity for Graham McMillan and I to catch our breaths from all of episode 76's question and answering with some very low-key chit-chat. We discuss Graham's library picks, Spider Island, the high initial numbers of Avengers vs. X-Men, our ignorance of current TV reality show editing tricks, He Who Cannot Be Named, by which we mean Stephen Wacker, the pros and cons of going to the comic shop, The Hunger Games, Earth 2, Doctor Who, Tintin, and that one movie with Christian Bale and the Gun Fu, as well as the One Piece meets Toriko, which I brain-deadedly call Tobiko, One Shot, currently available from Shonen Jump Alpha. I hope you enjoy, and as always, thanks for listening. Jeff Lester, welcome. Listeners, welcome. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Wait What? A show from two people described yesterday as, you guys need your own show, this is good stuff. <laughs> Same comic professional. <laughs> Yes, yes, my goodness. How quickly you went right up to uh, the edge of that fence. Are we going to plunge into the abyss and start talking immediately about that? Oh, let's never again. I don't know. Let's let's play it by ear. How are you doing? Uh, I am okay in a uh, vaguely stressed out kind of way. Like... They're just not a big deal. Morning went very quickly. I'm like, oh my god, 2.30. Have to have a hard stop of about 5 p.m. I don't know if that'll work for you or not. Oh, I, I, have, I have an earlier hard stop. Like, we have to be off the... F- we have to be off this phone at 5 p.m. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Well, see, so there we go. So let's rewind that clock. So, yeah, we've got about two hours to go. The plus side is, <laughs> I don't know how it works for you. I did not get to the comic book store yesterday, so I just have to, you know, I figured we would catch up on things that I realized now while looking at the books. I don't remember at all. So, Well, the best part is uh, I also didn't get to the comic book store yesterday, but that means I haven't been to the comic book store for shitting you not weeks. <laughs> I have, I didn't go to a comic book store at all in the month of February. Wow. Yeah, I wow. find that kind of amazing as well, to be perfectly honest with you. That is stunning. So, yes, we might as well call this the Graham Talks Dynamite Comics episode. <laughs> or the Graham Talks uh, What He's Been Getting at the Library episode. Ooh, yeah, which of course is always, uh, you know, Jeff gnashing his teeth in envy. Is also uh, Spider Island was what I read last What? Time. Like, that's in the library? Yeah. Fuck you. That is not. <laughs> it just came out. What? That's stupid. <clears throat> Great. You make me laugh with the end of my sickness because I'm, I'm – or rather, you made me cough with the memory sickness because I'm laughing so much. Yeah, um, the Portland library system is great, Jeff. I keep telling you this. I know, but you know what? I just keep being struck again and again by the unfairness of it. It's just, it's kind of appalling. I think, you know, I think I told you, after five months, I finally was able to get my copy, hands on a copy of X-Men Forever Volume 2. Volume I, 2! To be fair, that is something worth waiting for. Let's uh-huh. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I have to say, that's exactly like every other abstinence speech I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's like delivered by somebody who's like rubbing his hands all up and down like a Spider Island hardcover. Oh, it's better to wait, it's better to wait, yeah. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I will tell you this. I also got um, Journey into Mystery, Fear Itself, or Fear Itself, Journey into Mystery, or whatever that first collection is called. <laughs> um, right. And I totally see what everyone is on about now. 
And by everyone, you mean me, right? I was yeah, telling no, you. No, no, I know. You, but many other people were like, oh, this I is see. great. And I was like, sure, sure it is. I mean, no offense, Kieran, but I did not think I was going to enjoy it even a tenth as much as I ended up, ended up enjoying it. I thought that is was it because, spectacular. Is it because I said good things about it, Graham? Is that it? You it is. It was all going to I, be I like thought, brutal stabbing. Yeah, I did. Demons. Whenever you, you say you like something, I figured oh. there's either going to be lots of rape <laughs> terrible, terrible, like stabbings and shootings. Yeah, very exactly. graphically and very depressingly on the page. But yeah. that that turns out not to be what it is. It's actually a, a really enjoyable and kind of beautifully written little book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. It is. Uh, it it is. It is a a source of delight and very well done. And frankly. Um, you know, arguably it was a better telling of, well, it's not much argument. It was a better telling of Fear Itself than Fear Itself it was. What's really weird? So I got this stuff at the library and I also got um, Fear Itself Thunderbolts at the library. Mm-hmm. This was during the point where I dropped off Thunderbolts because I was like, Fear Itself, huh? Um, <laughs> no, seriously, I was getting Thunderbolts before that. I dropped off of yourself. I got Thunderbolts again, like, when they went back in time. They're, like, my gap is the fear itself issues. Um, and, wow, anyone who wants to disprove the idea that Marvel Comics doesn't do crossovers and makes all of their books understandable on their own, holy mother of crap, that book makes no sense. And I speak as someone who has read Fear Itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an appallingly put together collection. The stories really? themselves are are good. Mm-hmm. The collection doesn't say anything like, "Hey, you want the end of the story? You'll have to get the Fear Itself X Men book." <laughs> and if you want to know what's going on, you'll have to get Fear Itself. Like that just isn't said in the book. It's a. <laughs> It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, no, it's true. It's kind of interesting to me how because of the collections, like there is kind of such a hands-off approach to like what people should pick up next. Like I think Marvel's got that like one page. It always reminds me of a cigarette ad where it's like, you know, if you enjoyed this, you'll enjoy. And it's like a page of stuff and half of it seems like it's, you know, JMS's um, Squadron Supreme or something. And it's just like... I that is like you need more of a roadmap, I think, for that, especially if you're picking up some of these books. Talking about that, I mean, do you not remember Marvel did their freebie? This is how you collect Marvel collections. Oh yeah, that is which which was spectacular. Well, what was it actually uh, called? It was called something ridiculous, like the Marvel Universe Reading Order or something like. Yeah, that. it was something like that. It was yeah the 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 guide to the Marvel Library or I, I don't remember, but I know I picked it up on iTunes. Uh, you know, uh, for the iPad, and it was like seriously, I I had to stop reading after about page seventy because I think I was only out of the Avengers, you know, section by like two pages. Absurd, absurd. I I mean, it really was like that that re- that reading guide is perhaps uh, up until some of our Twitter exchanges yesterday the 
ultimate expression in sarcasm I think I have ever seen, you know? Because it's so clearly the person put it together. It's like, really? You want me to put it together? Like, 80% of these books are out of print, and the other 10% are going out next week. So, yeah, yeah, sure. It's that's, all in there. That is the crazy thing. It's like, here's the books you need to read. Good luck finding them. <laughs> exactly. But actually, I was thinking about this the other day. It might have been um, preparing for the books being on iBooks. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that could be because Lord knows they're they're there on the iBook. Well, some are on the iBooks. I mean, that's the thing. It's not like they're starting it off in their reading order or anything like that. You know, no. like, it'd be like, well, congratulations, you can now pick up New Avengers, which, according to the reading order, is the twenty third book in the collections. But it's, I mean, it's really. To be fair, it's really hard to publishers with that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Where do you start? Do you start with the, the Stanley and Jack Kirby Avengers? Right. Because honestly, yeah. that's going to put a lot of people off. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. I mean, oh, it, get, yeah. it gets ridiculous when you see things like the Miles Morales um, hardcover, the first Miles Morales stories, are called mm-hmm. Ultimate Comics Spider-Man by Brian Michael Bendis, Volume 1. And it's like, <laughs> unlike all the other <laughs> Ultimate Comics Spider-Man volumes who were written by someone else. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. it's, it's kind of amazing. They didn't just call it like you know Miles Morales Spider Man or something like yeah, that. Miles Morales colon Spider Man by Brian Bendis Volume One. Go with it. Go with it. But yeah, no, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a masterpiece of anti intuition. So um, yes, many things to look out for. So you bastard, how was Spider Island as a trade? Had you read the whole thing before? I hadn't. I dro- again, I dropped off like halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I don't know. I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I'd expect to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the it, issues I picked up, and I didn't pick up many, were a little bit on the dull side, which surprised me for such a big event kind of thing. Well, I, I think it's one of those things where the idea is great, mm-hmm. and the execution is just off enough Yeah. to make you be like, I, I'm not, I feel guilty for not enjoying this more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, is it me? And I don't think it is. I think ultimately there's too simultaneously too much going on and not enough going on on the page. Right. Yeah, it kind of feels – well, this is what, again, based on what I think maybe two issues of Spider Island somewhere in the middle. It reminded me a lot of and, – and who knows? I, I haven't followed Slot closely enough to know if this is really maybe a, his thing or something. It felt like – a DC Silver Age idea sort of jammed into sort of a Marvel Bronze Age approach, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know? And and so consequently, I was like, oh yeah, like, because you've got points in the story where, like, you know, now everyone's got spider powers, and of course, Peter is like, well, do I actually show mine or not? Or I guess I've got an excuse to. But it's got a little bit of that when he does, and everyone's like, hey, you're surprisingly good about it. It's kind of got that classic, again, Silver Age DC story where all of a sudden, like, like Clark Kent has an excuse to have Superman's powers, and he's like <laughs> flying around in his little Superman suit. I mean, in his little Clark Kent outfit, and people are like, wow, Clark Kent's a surprisingly good replacement for Superman. It's really a fun idea, but but it it felt the two issues I read felt really kind of padded, you know. Like well, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, the pacing is really really weirdly off. Mm-hmm. Uh, for everything that happens in the story, 
the pacing is really off to the point where you get too much of things you don't care about and you don't get enough of what you actually want to see. Um, and there's actually a chunk of plot in there that is pretty much expositioned out. Oh, man, really? Um, and the other thing that's really weird is so it crosses over with Venom. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's one of those things where the creators are all like, you don't need to read both books because you get all the information. And you get all the information, but none of the context, if that makes sense. So you'll get, where did anti-Venom come from? I fought Venom. But, like, <laughs> when you don't see that at all, mm-hmm. you feel like you're missing something. You're, you're actually sure you're getting the information, but it doesn't. It's not like it's flowing naturally. It highlights what you're not getting in the story. Mm-hmm. It almost mm-hmm. plays up the need for the crossover even more. Right. Um, but what's strange is, so they 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 clearly work together on the the scenes the crossover because they have scenes that appear in both books. Mm-hmm. In terms of writing, the dialogue is exactly the same. However, in the two chapters, and this is a problem when you have it all in one collection, you realize that they take place in different locations in different chapters. In the Spider-Man chapter, it's outside in Central Park. In the Venom chapter, it's in the basement of somewhere. And it's a different character saying the same dialogue. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's this really weird thing where, where they clearly really work together. Right, and then, and then there like, was this huge the gap. Shit. Like, yeah. how could this part not be coordinated? I don't understand. Well, you know, because I'm sure they fax some of the pages or something, but that is hilarious. I mean, it's that weird Uncanny Valley thing of it just draws attention to itself even more than if they hadn't tried, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're left with this really, really, really weird thing where you're like, huh, I feel like you're just drawing attention to the crossover aspect and to the things that don't work I don't know it's it's really really strange it's a very weird um, book and what is surprising to me is I found it so much less enjoyable than Tansalot's normal Spider-Man stuff mm-hmm. for like the big event the big one that's you know the crowd pleasing story right it's just so much less enjoyable and fulfilling and I don't know. It's it's weird. I do not think of Dan Slott as a particularly subtle writer. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as an insult. I think, you know, it, there's a charm to his Absolutely. just sheer glee in what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when it's like superhero comic. Yeah, well, yeah. His Spider-Man stuff, I think, it, mm-hmm. at its best, is just glowing with, I'm writing Spider-Man. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> um, and Spider-Island has lots of moments where you feel that he's thinking that but also thinking oh god there's so much going on in this story I can't fuck it up <laughs> it, there, right. there, there's this very odd tension there um, I, can, I totally believe that I, I, yeah it's just it it should be better than it is it, it's surprisingly mm-hmm. disappointing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing that shone through most from the collection Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Fowler's art in Venom, which I just, I, Venom does little for me as a character, and, and so I haven't picked up the book. Tom Fowler's art, though, is just lovely. Oh, yeah. Huh. It's, it's, it's this weird thing where you essentially have, because, I mean, Tom Fowler's art looks like Jack Davis at the best of times. You have mm-hmm. someone doing, like, a straighter Jack Davis in a, in a an adventure comic, like a straight-up adventure comic. There, there's you no... Mean- 
Jack Davis from Mad Magazine? Yes. Wow. That's wow. What, that's what I'm saying. Huh. It's a really weird thing, but it totally works. Hmm. That's really funny. It totally works. Uh, huh. um, and, and because he's got the cartoonish, you know, slightly overblown nature. Right. Um, when Venom goes insane and, like, turns into a big monster... Mm-hmm. It's just great. It's, it really works. Well, that's great. I, you know, it's one of those things where I, I liked Remender's work on, on X-Force. I was like, I really should pick up Venom. I really should pick up Venom. I should be picking up Venom. And uh, and still haven't. I don't know. It's one of those weird, like, it's just not before my eyeballs while I'm in the comic store, and so I never think to look at it. Well, Se- separate you, apart from... If you yeah. get over your Marvel argument <clears throat> to drop it or not thing, and you... Right. Decide you do want to pick up Venom. This month is actually the best month to do it because it's got the the five issues in one month was supposed to be a crossover suddenly turned into a Venom event going on, where it's Boy. it's also it's co-written by Jeff Parker and shit Rob Williams maybe. Uh huh. Um, and apparently it's great. Everyone I've seen talking about it is, is very complimentary. Hmm. Hmm. It's it's Venom yeah. crossing over or teaming up with now. X-23 and Ghost Rider and the Hulk. Okay, but so here's my thing. You, it's five issues? Yes. Yes. Those five issues, two ninety nine or three ninety nine. I want to say they're, I want to say they're all two ninety nine. Okay. I, could, I mean, that's well, kind of... It's, I mean, that itself is still kind of a... You know, it's like, now's the perfect time to dip your toe in because it only costs you 15 bucks well, to get the complete story. Funny, I, I got as far as now's the perfect time, and then I was like, wait, I'm recommending you pick up a five-issue in one month crossing <laughs> yeah, that's right. book. Like, the, the, there was a small moment in my brain where I was like, shut up. Just stop. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you didn't start that sentence. Just... just. No, 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 no. I totally get it. But but see, that's it. I'm sure there are those people for whom you, you know, Lord knows there's been occasion to think about like superhero comics and kind of A, how they're marketed and B, what people want from them as opposed to what people insist people want from them and et cetera, et cetera. And there is kind of that feel of like, I'm sure for some people I can see where like it's exactly like you said, it's like, hey, this is great. It's a big five-part epic. It's got a whole bunch of other creators. It's really good. It seems like it seems like the sort of idea that seems uh, very exciting, you know. Especially because back when I don't know, you think back to our childhoods, and that was the sort of because you were going every time anyway, and you're sort of half looking for new books to buy, and it just sort of seems like an awesome idea, I guess. No, exactly. But, it's know. like you know, all of my favorite characters in one book. Great. I mean, as it is. <laughs> with the exception of Hulk it's like none of my favorite characters in one book <laughs> um, but you know what I mean like it's it's one of those ideas that you feel should be selling people on that comic mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I and and who knows it very well may but I it is for me in a way kind of like I'm like yeah I don't think that's really gonna work for me and I'm not saying that it it's a wrong way to go. I just, I was like, huh, yeah, I kind of sort of want the... You want the opposite. You, know, you want the, there's one issue out this month and it's great. And it's great, right, exactly. And it's, and, it, and it's, there's a hook in there, you know, and, or maybe even two hooks in there. And one of them is going to be the one that it's like, I am totally in love with, you know, Flash Thompson's uh, physical therapy nurse who's secretly a werewolf you know like that sort of thing you would write a great venom book 
it just it I'm just saying that's the sort of thing that would hook me well, I, but I have to say like you. I do like the gimmick behind this Venom book if mm-hmm. I was ever going to read a Venom book which you know crossovers like this aside is unlikely because I really have zero interest in the concept mm-hmm. um, I like that it's Flash Thompson and I like the Flash Thompson to put it bluntly does not have legs when he's not Venom right right no it's 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 a really good hook in a lot of ways it seems like a good way to get people who are Spider-Man fans but not Venom fans to take another look to, to take a look at the book yeah you know frankly and, and, and it has to be said if you were a Venom fan quote unquote mm-hmm. um, right. Spider Island probably had a lot of payoff for you I think if you liked Spider-Man in the 90s Spider Island would be like the greatest fucking story ever because not only does it yeah. I think finally pay off the Eddie Brock Venom slash anti-Venom story mm-hmm. in a kind of offhanded like shitty manner but it, it, it well it finishes it put it that way um, it right. brings back the clones from the 90s mm-hmm. in particular Kane and ends up with a new Scarlet Spider series so like if you mm-hmm. like the 90s Spider-Man th- this, right. this is Spider-Island there's a love letter to that and drawn by Humberto Ramos who again right. if you like 90s Spider-Man you're probably in 7th Heaven yeah exactly exactly well what's something I think looking at Paul O'Brien's numbers didn't Scarlet Spider that first issue do like Kind of surprisingly well. Yes, the, it's, it's, it's really, really close to uh, Amazing Spider-Man numbers. Like, uh, okay. like yeah. really, really, really remarkably close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see if that sticks. If that sticks, it could be that nobody knew like how to order it and decided to go closer to Amazing Spider- Spider-Man numbers, and then we'll see them drop or not. But, uh, but it, it was the fact that it impressed Paul Bryan, Paul O'Brien enough to to remark upon it was something that that of course means that it stuck in my head. Yeah, no, it, it's it's one of those things where the numbers themselves were not great, but because it was, because a all of Marvel's numbers are low, right, and b. It's. I mean, it was like within two thousand copies or something of Amazing Spider-Man, which is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know that that's really impressive. Yeah. Hey, talking about really impressive. Have you seen the estimates for um, Avengers versus X Men One? Yeah, I saw some stories that said it was it was uh, first it was over two hundred thousand, and then that it was over uh, Civil War number one levels. Yeah. That's, which I'm like. That's, Hmm. massive um, part of that was partially explained on Twitter because mm-hmm. honestly I was like that's it went from that's great for Marvel to that's really weirdly big yeah me too um, and then I saw someone on Twitter point out that apparently there's a 70% discount if you reach a certain ordering level oh oh those fuckers man that's, returnability but... that's amazing yeah 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 well, and it makes sense. Like seventy percent of yeah. Wow. Okay, that makes huge amount of sense. Can I ask who you heard that from? The seventy percent discount thing. Uh, it was on Twitter. It was Ryan Higgins. Ah, because Ryan Higgins essentially called bullshit on the numbers. Oh, excellent. He was. He was. I mean, he he tends to anyway. Like, there is positive news for Marvel. He'll be almost immediately saying, "I don't believe it." Um, and yet. Who, who I say, who gets uh, trolled repeatedly by a Marvel editor? I ask you. I, um, I don't know. Who would that be? 
<laughs> Brian is getting trolled repeatedly by Marvel Edster right now. Oh, is he? I, yeah, Steve Wacker went back on there this morning. Oh, man. Okay, well. Um, no, it's, but yeah, Avengers vs. X-Men is going to be a hit. What, what, what's going to happen is, what are the numbers going to be like by issue six? Because bear in mind, it's mm-hmm. bi-weekly. Right. So issue six is three months afterwards, so they'll only be seeing the sales on issue one. Right. By the time yeah. it'll order cutoff in issue six. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, so, right. Well, this is this is my theory that I had sort of advanced with Hibbs, is I think it's... Yeah, they they do the as close to the double shipping as they can. Pack those numbers tight early on. Then, if you start to see the fall off, then they let loose a, a bunch of spoilers, talking about all the amazing shit. And, and supposedly they've got some, will have some amazing shit in the back half of the series to to push those sales. You know, either to well, keep the you know numbers from dropping too heavily well, what's going to be really weird is up. by the time um, issue 6 comes out mm-hmm. we're going to be in the order cycle for everything that comes afterwards mm-hmm. so we're going to know right if nothing else we're going to know creative teams and titles oh I don't know <laughs> No, no, I'm I'm kidding. I'm just I I'm you know no no because because in the past no but in the past Marvel said not final title right do you know what I mean I mean the Fallen Sun wasn't called Fallen Sun for the longest time Mm -hmm. um yeah they 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 have hidden titles in the past and they've held it back on creative teams too have they though that's what I was thinking I mean they've done lots of TBAs but I think that's genuinely we don't know who's drawing this as opposed to you know we're purposefully holding this creative team back mm-hmm. have they I mean have they ever actually held this team well no I mean you're I, I feel you are splitting hairs but I mean yes they they. I, I definitely know it in the framework that you talk about where it's like where you get the sense they actually honestly don't know but to me it's like it's just a hop skip and a jump there from like oh we're soliciting this book and we're we can't tell you to we're not telling you you know, on the other hand, I also think that uh, that could be the point at which you really do want to bust out the moves and be like, "Yeah, okay, you guys better like pick up the last six issues of this because, boom, we've got this thing that's not a reboot, not a relaunch, or a retcon, but is a rebootcon, you know, or whatever they're going to call it." Rebootcon is really tasty, though. To be fair, <laughs> it is, isn't you've it? Got to, you've got to shake the bottle up before you drink it, because otherwise, it's all the shit at the bottom. <laughs> Rebootcon is just is is great. Yeah, yeah. It, who doesn't love Rebootcon? So anyway, yeah, that's what I you know I can see. I, I don't know. I I'm, I have the horrible, horrible feeling that it's going to be like Defenders, where Defenders launched at number seven, and then the next issue was was number forty three. I think okay. it's going to be the same thing. I think we'll see like, uh, I mean, clearly, issue one of. Avengers vs. X-Men is going to be number one. Right. Whether issue seven is going to be in the top ten, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, we'll see. I mean, of course, the whole idea with the market is you create some heat for it, and then the heat translates into momentum, right? But, I mean, we've seen less and less of that over time. On the other hand, I was Mr. like, oh, we're going to see you know Avengers vs. X-Men number one be 120,000 because people are going to order 80 or 90 and you know and then Marvel's going to overship so clearly I couldn't have been even more wrong 
than on that. So, so who knows? Who knows what they've got lined up, man? Yu-Gi-Oh cards, you know? That's all I'm saying. Like, pack in you, you know, pack in cards or giving away free video games or you know. I think I think Marvel's determined to make this be to make the the storyline on this to be that Marvel returned to the top of the charts and. Oh, but that, that, that's clearly what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's amazing is just how much Marvel's pulling at the stops for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing a series on with MTV in the making of? Oh, my God. You know? That's like, that's like <laughs> really? Holy shit. That's, that's amazing. I just want to watch that just so that I can see Ed Brubaker go, I'm Ed Brubaker and welcome to my crib. And then they show him walking really fast in that fast motion thing to a Ludacris <laughs> song as he walks around his house. That would be awesome. No, what, what I, I'm really hoping that it is what people are saying it is. And we're going to see, you know, here's the retreat where they came up with ideas and it's just going to be, you know, a bunch of them sitting around the table being like, uh, yeah. So, um, what about Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel? We could bring Captain Marvel back. Like, completely. Exactly. Like, what are they going to do? They're probably going to show them, like, singing karaoke in, like, Portland and then, like, they'll have have them sitting at the table talking and it'll be, Mm -hmm. like, voiceovers being like, well, when they were planning Avengers versus X Men number three, and they thought, why not have Iron Man? It's like, <laughs> well, it's gonna be it's gonna be something like, like that. You know, tilt from one side to the other side, and it will never be straight up. Well, then, no, you'll see footage of them like sitting around, and then there's gonna be the interspersed interviews, right? So it'll be things like suddenly there's you know Fraction sitting there in the little chair, and the graphics behind him, like you know, because it'll be like. Yeah, you know, I knew from the beginning that Jason Aaron wanted to take out Iron Man. And then you get some little guitar riff and then like a close up on Jason Aaron and then Tim sitting in the studio and he's like, yeah, yeah, I just I've never liked the dude and I've been writing Wolverine. So this was my chance to make him go down and then heavy metal guitar riff and then, you know, close up on the art. And if nothing else, here's the thing. I totally think that you're right. But I also totally wonder how much you and I are sucking like MTV of the 90s. Well, that's it. That is totally true. I haven't seen Jersey Beach at all, so it could be utterly fucking different. Again, God, if it was like Jersey Beach, that'd be the greatest thing. That'd be the best it's thing just like ever. The architects going out and getting drunk every night. Drunk and like <laughs> passing out. And, and like, you know, uh, Matt Fraction taking off his top to show everyone his abs. That would be spectacular. Exactly. That would be great. <laughs> I'm Matt Fraction. You can call me the situation. <laughs> you know, you or just call him the Fraction. Come on. Yeah, yeah, the Fract Man. Um, uh, yeah, no, exactly. Or Fract Boy? I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, exactly. Everyone's jumping around. It's like, oh, dude, I think who Hickman pooped himself. You know, so I don't know. Um, all I can say is we should be programming for MTV, Graham. That's about as close as I can get. <laughs> Clearly we should. <laughs> Clearly we know how to turn anything into an MTV special without really MTV much TV classic. Yeah, it is true. That is that you're absolutely right. Yeah, MTV, if you ever want to, like, relive, you know, resurrect the heyday of uh, real-world Los Angeles, call us. Um, oh, were you a real-world fan, Jeff? I, you know, I stuck it out for a couple of seasons. I'm trying to think where I jumped off. Inevitably, I'm a sucker for that stuff, Graham. I mean, as I think we all are, you know, it's like they do that sort of 90210-ish thing of, like, they just cast one 
of every type of person so that it's never going to fail, that there will be at least one person that you will develop a crush on if you make the mistake <laughs> of sitting around and watching the episode. And then suddenly you're like, well, nothing's really going the, on. And the that's the other thing. They're showing every – yes? I think I've only ever seen one real world, which was the first one. Oh, which, really? seriously, the reason I saw it was because my mom loved it. <laughs> I'm not joking. My mother loved the first season of Real World, which was shown on Sunday lunchtimes on Channel 4 in the UK. Um, but the reason I'm laughing is I'm fairly sure I had a crush on Julie. See, I was going to say, I was going to pull her name right out of the hat. See? Yeah, exactly. And that's it. Suddenly you've got that little crush and then you're like, ooh, and then, ooh, hey, maybe they're going to hook up or, you know what I mean? There's always some scene where they're like crying and, yeah, no, it totally, that works for a a ridiculous number of things until, you know, it sort of starts to loop in on itself. But no, I've seen an embarrassing number of real world seasons. The great thing is, is that because it's been on for so long and they've done it so often, I've seen like just a fraction of them. You know, exactly. I, I, I've watched five years, but that's less than a quarter. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's totally the case now. You know, um, they have people on that show who probably were not born before that show started rolling. So, you know, it's uh, anyway, I'm not quite sure how we got on this topic or how to get off. Uh, uh, we were talking about the Avengers versus X-Men promotion. Oh, yeah, the promotion. Um, which apparently is not now going to feature television ads, which was being hinted at the first time, but will feature radio ads, bizarrely. <laughs> well, of course, because radio ads are somewhat inexpensive and they're easier to swap for, you know, I'm sure. I, but the weird thing is the, the at least when it was first you know, being mentioned. They were suggesting they're going to have TV and radio ads for each individual issue. Which kind of blew my mind. Yes. Because that means that each ad would have, like, a two-week shelf life. But also, by, like, issue seven, what would you be advertising? I hope you've been picking up the last six issues. Right. I don't... I don't know. Maybe... I don't know. I I mean, I can't even understand, like... I, I don't have a TV. I don't have a TV, so that's it. I no longer understand commercials. Commercials are things that, if I feel nostalgic for, I actually look for them on YouTube. And in the and usually, I'm like, why are these so annoying and short and trying to sell me something? Like, I really don't get it anymore. <laughs> what so, is yeah, I'm like commercial. It, I don't understand. Sell me something. <laughs> exactly. They've like neutered the characterization right out of this thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. You know anymore. So. So yeah, I, uh, I'm always like comic book ads. I like I would love to. I would be awesome again if you get the Marvel architects running around with the little action figures. You know, here comes Wolverine. He's still in love with Phoenix. Arr! And then he's like, it's "Too bad, Captain America." Bashes him over. And then you've got the architects actually holding the action figures again. To me, that would be gold. But you know, when Marvel says like, "Oh, we're gonna do commercials on television for this," I'm like, "I'll wait. I'll really wait and see." I'll really, really honestly wait and see. I would love if they did, and it was like the motion comics. Like really poorly animated Jim Chung drawings from the cover. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. That be- or if they did them like the Secret Wars toy adverts from the 80s. That's kind of what I was going for, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, you've got, the, you've got the architects instead of little kids like moving the little... No, I want it with the kids. Yeah, I know you do. But I, I want to, I want it with the kids, and they pretend it's the architects. Oh, that would even be better. So you, have, you have like a twelve-year-old, and he's like, "I'm Jonathan Eggman. <laughs> and then you've got like the the one with like the bald cap on. I'm Brian Bendis. <laughs> I had sex with my wife. 
So, uh, <laughs> is that your Brian Bendis impression? It might be. It, well, it's my it's my Brian Bendis as a twelve year old impersonation. But yeah, yeah, the sex with my wife thing is yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, yeah, Avengers versus X Men. We basically it, it's it's going to be big. It's going to be massive. The question is for me now because I I think like this. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to be bigger than before Watchmen, which happens the next month? Oh my God, Graham! You really are. It's it's you are locked in this eternal cycle. I You're am. like I really am. Oh oh man! In part, I, in part because I kind of want it not to be <laughs> through sheer <laughs> maliciousness. Not right, because I sure. want before Watchmen to be a success. I just think it would be funny if it was. I, I see. That's my thing. I'm like, God, that's such a like, hey, good news, everybody loses, hey, <laughs> you know, kind of situation. You know, like awesome. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, it's going to fulfill the storyline that Marvel wants it to. Uh, Avengers versus X Men, or yeah, Avengers it, versus X Men beating before Watchmen. Uh, Avengers versus X Men being probably the best selling comic of the year. That's entirely oh, the narrative Marvel wants. Oh, that is the, yeah, exactly. And they, they, I mean, they, they'll anything to get yeah, that. they'll be fine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They they can just be like, look, what are you saying? Our sales are decreasing. We had the best selling comic of the year. Huh. That's interesting. That sounds really familiar to some arguments being put forward just yesterday by a certain Marvel editor, doesn't it? Uh, are we going back to this? Okay. Hey, no, 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 no. I just keep trying to beat you into this. Yeah. What What did you think of Steve Walker's comments on the internet recently? Well, I'm glad you asked, Graham, because technically... <laughs> Because technically, I want to tell you why it's very important that we don't talk about it, you know, on air or in print probably ever again. Uh, and that is... Well, I, I think we both know why. Yeah, we both know why. Um, I, but the thing that blows my mind is how the number of people that do not... I think... And it's one of these weird things. Like, for me, I really had this... this, this uh, Epiphany of like, right? You really don't expect somebody who's more famous than you to be a troll. You know what I mean? Like, no, maybe weird, they're trolling anonymously, it? but yeah. But to have someone who is really a four chan level troll, who is just who will keep doing like as long as you continue to think about him or talk about him, he wins. That's all he wants, and he will continue to do that. So it's like, suddenly he appears rational, and then he turns and stabs you. Then he doesn't know what you're talking about. Then he makes a statement that sounds like you attacked him, because at every state, at everything, all he wants is for you to reply to him and acknowledge him, just because he knows how much time it wastes. You know? That's all That's all he wants is the lulls. So here, Here's the thing that genuinely ended up surprising me mm-hmm. his time management is fucking spectacular <laughs> I'm not joking he was fucking everywhere yesterday mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everywhere mm-hmm. I, I I don't know how he did it do not mm-hmm. and also when you consider all the places that he was trying to be and he wasn't allowed because his comments were deleted Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's he amazing, was isn't it? everywhere. I <laughs> wish I could be that good at managing my time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, because you think he's got to have a job to do. There was one point where he responded to some comment that, you know, that someone made to me yesterday 
Like, and the hour at which he made it, I was like, check, you know, I actually checked my watch. Like, he was up at 2 a.m. doing this? Like, you know, 2 a.m. New York time, you know? Yeah, no, no, exactly. It's like, at some point, Mm -hmm. this, I've said it in the past. In the past, I was like, well, he's got a really stressful job, and he's just trying to blow off steam. And it's kind of weird, and it's kind of creepy, but I kind of understand it. Mm -hmm. No, it's crossed over into... This guy's a crazy sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> but see, but there's an extent to which because, I, you know, I, I'm like, yes, but he's also just a troll. You know what I mean? Like, I, trolls are mistaken for sociopaths because that's exactly the sort of behavior that they are mimicking. And really for exactly the same reasons, you know? It's just instead of it being a genuine, like, oh, and now I'm going to cut you up and put you in the back of my car and, you know, laugh while you plead with me for your life, it's just like, I'm going to continue jumping in on every conversation that you have. I'm going to jump in at the, you know, places where you, you know, where you pose. And anytime anyone, you know, my Google alert goes off and anyone's mentioned me, you know, I'm just going to be on it. Or maybe, who knows, maybe he's got like a couple of interns who's like, dude, I totally need you to help me out, you know? Oh, God, if that was the case, I'd be really, 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 I mean, I'd be beyond sad. If he's not doing this alone, I would be, it it would be impossible for me to tell you how depressed that would make me. See, and this is the thing. I don't think you should necessarily be depressed, man. Because again, I'm like, the great thing about a troll is they want they they don't care what you, they get out of you as long as they get something out of you. And and to me, that's it. Like you know, my little message or whatever. Like I wasn't I, like, and, and you know, he did the little oh, angry thing. I'm like, I'm not angry. I'm really not. Like. You know, it's my my favorite part yesterday was when he gleefully was like, I've gotten you to break your promise not to feed the troll. That was the point where I was yeah. like, Oh my god, you're so much more of a troll than I thought. See? Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, wow. I mean, I've, I've, got, to, I've got to find this message because I really genuinely like it was one of those things where I had I had started talking to him against my better na- against my better feelings, mm-hmm. and then he said it, and I was just like, "Oh, now I completely understand. You're feeding the troll. You made a holier than thou promise, and you're breaking it." Yes. And at that point, I was like, "Oh, I get it now. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. I, I totally exactly. understand." Yeah, yeah, and it's just this weird thing because it's not, you know, Boner 623 talking, you know, like starting some huge flame war on, you know, uh, your favorite Breaking Bad episode forum, you know, that it's actually this dude who's like in the industry, you know, you're just like, oh, but it can't be. Like, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not understanding me. It's a really weird, Mm -hmm. yes and no. Because I think it's really clear to anyone who's actually been paying attention to what has been said Mm -hmm. that he is just, if not trolling, then stirring shit. Right. Um, But at the same time, there really is a level of he's got to have some ulterior motive. There's no way someone in his position can... I guess just want that. Does that make for, sense? For the lulls? No. Yeah. I think this is it. I think this is the mistake that you are making. I think I, I, I get it. 
I totally get it because that's the thing. But no, I don't think so. The the brilliance of of a troll is you know at this level is it just is griefing to to grief with you. You know any reaction that you make, just being the chance to being there in the mind, like any sort of anything, it becomes its own level of of satisfaction. The the lulls are the are the end point, you know. And it's kind of hard to to sort of explain it i mean i actually was thinking about it this morning and kind of a wow like i really it um it's just a fascinating thing because i think that it really speaks to some level of you care but you don't care you know like when you're doing this level of thing and you can't let it go there's something about it that is both um you know, you just feel like you're in this completely different zone. I'm, I'm relatively sure because it, it to me, it's almost like the, it's the emotion that goes with Orwell's double thought. You know, is like once you get past double thought, once you get into the world of of double feelings, essentially, mm-hmm. then you start getting into the world of lulls. You know, where he's like, oh, I, he, everyone's so angry. I don't understand why you're angry. Well, you must be angry. Oh, I'm not angry. I'm having a great time. I'm the only person with a sense of humor here. And then three minutes later, how dare you, like, let your friends actually say those things to me? You feel good about that? And then when you say no, he's like, see, you fed the troll. You know, like, it's just yeah, this weird, no, it's, it, you know. It's it's funny. I, I was telling Kate about all of this yesterday. Mm-hmm. And she was just stunned. I mean, genuinely her breath was taken yeah. and she was just saying only in comics does this sort of I think she said only in the world of comics does this sort of 7th grade bullshit mm-hmm. happen essentially well but it, it does happen with names attached to it what, did, yeah, you, did you see the thing that someone um, sent us a link to me and I retweeted uh, the Deadspin reprinting of the ESPN memo no so ESPN, which, like Marvel, is owned by Disney, sent out this this memo. And the memo is essentially, Twitter is not your personal playground. Mm-hmm. Watch what you say on Twitter because anything you say on your personal account is representing the company. Right. You cannot say, and it like lists, you know, basically do not argue with people. <laughs> do not get about, all these things. And it's just like, you're a professional, act like one. Right, and someone sends me this before all the craziness of yesterday. Someone sends me this when basically what's been going on is David's shit, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Isn't this amazing?" And then like the next day, all that crazy shit happens. Yeah, and exactly. I was like, "It really is like it genuinely is amazing that mm-hmm. that it can happen." Hmm. Hmm. And then no one responds. And and there's more I will tell you when we're not recording. Sure. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I. You know, it, it, it is amazing. I mean, but it also it's kind of this weird thing of, um, you know, the thing that's hilarious to me is, is, at least for myself, if it was Tom Brevoort, I would not have the slightest bit of problem in basically – you know, I don't know, sitting down and writing a, a letter to Ike Perlmutter, you know, just trying to get the, the bigger lull, I suppose. But I I don't, uh, 
I, I really like Steve Wacker's books. I don't want him to lose his job. I don't want these books to, like, stop coming out. That's the thing that's really ironic is, like, you know, so the best thing you can do is just he's going to eventually get banned from enough people. Enough people are going to block him on Twitter and enough people are going to ban them on their websites. It's really not necessarily going to matter. It's just, for me, the personal anguish is, is at a certain point you just want to tell people who keep coming in to try and engage, like, don't feed the troll so. yeah that's that's the weird thing you end up thinking because I, I got i got incredibly um defensive i guess when mm-hmm. he started going after you in this really weird way i was kind of like no you can go after me right i like i play an asshole on the internet that's fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but now well, that you're going after jeff like there's right. something about that that was like no and it's, i i really had it when he started going after david for what david said Right, because it was like I can't believe you're fighting with this guy who fucking sells your books for you. Who is your who is your customer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're who going after customer? him for that. Who 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 arguably saved may have saved Marvel like more money in the next three months or longer until you know whatever security hole opens up again. You know then you know, arguably what could be tens of thousands of dollars, you know? And 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 that's the reward. Because I've and this is the thing. Again, it's how trolls work. I was pissed when he did it to David. I was pissed when he did it to you. Um and so I think instead of just telling him something, I guess, more polite, my one tweet to him was just kind of uh you know You're, I was I was surprised by your tweet to him. I don't think I've ever, ever seen you tell someone to fuck off before. I, I, I well, and I haven't. I absolutely have not. Um, uh, I've, I've never done it on Twitter. Um, I might have done it in some like stupid message board quarrel when I got back, you know, on the internet back in the early '90s before I learned better. But it was just, and it, it's just, it, I just, it just had to be a. It, it felt amazingly great to say, especially after how much he'd you know, fucked with you guys. And right off the bat, I regretted it because that's what he wants. But it was also just this level of like, I'm not playing. And I see levels in which he's trying to get, you know, you to engage by talking about me or getting our readers to engage by, you know, by, by talk, you know, trash talking us in the, in, you know, the Savage Critic forums. And it's one of those things where a part of me just wants to step in and go like, don't, don't feed the troll. Do not feed the troll. And then you even get the guys, and this is, you see this play out in like every message board thread from the beginning of time where somebody who's well-intentioned, who who knows somebody or has the same opinion as part of Wacker and part of us steps in and is like, he doesn't really seem like a troll. I think he's really, it's it's okay. You guys just, we all need to sit down and have a drink about it. And it was just like, dude, don't do this. Like I'll respond to you. And then he's just going to jump in and, you know, I think it's been kind of one of the things that I think is an important lesson is to me is, is that he's doing all this stuff and is doing a remarkably good job of staying the hell away from Abbey. He's not picking any fights with Tucker Stone. He's not picking fights with guys who legitimately don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like he's he he knows his audience in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's this thing of like you want to engage him on this level of like why are you doing this don't you understand this is really destructive like to you and your career and everything that you're working at you know but it's just again at that point you're still just feeding him yeah so, I have to tell you ever since yeah. it started 
I've really, really, really wanted to write about this. Not from a feeding the troll point of view, but from a this is social media gone hideously, hideously wrong point of view. Right. right. Because this really does seem like an example of someone should step in and stop him because this is hurting the company and I don't think they understand how it does. Mm-hmm. I, 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 there's, there's a... He even said it today. He's like, why would you want me to be muzzled? And the answer is kind of, because you're really, really fucking your company, dude. Yeah. And, and you don't seem to realize that. Mm-hmm. But this is terrible. Like, what you're yeah. doing is terrible for your company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you see people on... Luckily, not Savage Critic, but I think it's because Brian has been uh, deleting them and banning them. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely on Fourth Letter, people being like, Steve Wacker wins. And it's like, oh, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> not not just in the, in the you're wrong sense, but in the sense of nobody wins. Yeah, nobody <laughs> this is, wins. This is not a winning situation. This yeah. is just unfortunate on every single level. Yeah, there w- there actually was some level of there, and that was it. Like again, you just the 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 trick is to you know it's like a Zen exercise. It's just you just got to let it all go. But yeah, there was some dude who was like, um, you know, uh, something along the lines of like, yeah, you know, something like fuck you, comic book nerds, you get what you deserve. Or something, and I'm like, dude, I have really unfortunate news for you as someone who is commenting on a comics. Comic yeah, exactly, thread. <laughs> you might not want to look in the mirror later today. Exactly, I was just like, wow, I'm glad. And that's the other thing is the number of people who bring in the the whole self hating bullshit of like, yeah, fuck you, nerds. You know, I'm just like, dude, I don't know if you really realize like this guy is not. If you look at the scope of the things that said, and, and weirdly enough, I also have like the same way I'm sort of protective of you and David. I'm also really protective of the people who follow us on Twitter. So like when Jay Smitty said some stuff and like Wacker was right on it, I was like, oh, oh, ah, this is where I really want to, ah, you know, and you, or uh, JLB. Um, Troche, uh, Julian Louise Blair, uh, yeah. was yeah. Louis Blair was saying some stuff like, "Oh, this is kind of regretful, regrettable." And then Wacker's in there, and I'm like, "You keep away from him, Wacker." You know, but it's. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I I completely agree, and I feel the same thing. Hmm? But part of me is also, if he's not going to be a dick to them, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, if if he can stay civil to them then I feel like I'm completely overstepping bounds by being like, don't you go anywhere near them. Right. Well, he wasn't necessarily being that civil to Smitty. He was like, oh, yeah, hey, thanks. Uh, Do you sell yeah, donuts? Like, do you, why don't you send me yeah, some that, donuts? Yeah, that was you know? weird. <laughs> As we said, yeah. the other part of this thing is there are times where I, I, I know it's a joke because it makes no sense, but I just don't see where it's come from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there's there's just weird elements of it, but but for me the the and I I do feel like everyone this is if nothing else it's this unfortunate fact of life on the internet and this is how people learn. I'm just impressed that Wacker's this sort of next level like he is. He's you know, he's the X-Men version of an internet troll. He's like he's a he's 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 trollist superior, you know, and it's just like you just 
you gotta you just gotta ignore him despite the fact that he's like directly responsible for things that you like and you want to be like but but dude like i like your stuff i like what you bring to the letter pages i like all these things here's something else we can talk about sort of related but not directly related Mm -hmm. i've had people tell me they're no longer going to buy steve wackard's books because of this Mm -hmm. um i've not had that response personally no i haven't either i haven't either well, let's put it this way. I'm only buying, I think, one Steve... You know, it's like, I'm going to keep buying Daredevil. I don't... I think because I put it in the realm of, like, oh, he's just trolling, like, it doesn't really... It doesn't affect how I feel about the book at all. That's kind of what, that's kind of where I was going with this. Like, at what mm-hmm. point does... Does someone... Again, we're back to the... At what point does the creator being a dick impact your enjoyment of the art? Right. Um, but it's even weirder because it's at what point does the editor who isn't responsible for the creation of you know mm-hmm. he's shepherding it at best and I honestly believe still that Steve Walker is a good editor oh yeah because I mean, he it's, stays yeah. out of the way of his creators for the most part mm-hmm. um, but like I, I guess am I wrong not to want to give his books a wide berth because of this well, okay. This is, and here's my personal feeling: is is when it gets down to the levels of 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 emotion, there's just I don't necessarily believe in right and wrong. I believe, you know, rash or you know, wise or unwise. But ultimately, I'm like, if it doesn't feel right for somebody, I mean, definitely don't. You know, like if someone's like, I really don't like this, I'm not going to buy Wacker's books because I'll feel kind of weird, like I'm supporting something that's kind of gross. Like, I I mean, I don't feel that it's... Like, they're not wrong. I mean, you know, and I think I, I can see when, you know, uh, David was like, yeah, I just... Uh, I'm going to step away from these Marvel books for a while just because it doesn't feel... Now it doesn't feel right. And I'm like, that makes sense to me, you know? Oh, it's I'm, like, oh I'm not criticizing people who are doing it. I think what... It, oh, no, no, no. I am agreed. feeling... I'm feeling self-critical mm-hmm. because I don't feel that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. What I think they're wrong. Is that I wonder if I'm wrong because I don't. I'm not doing the same thing. And that's yeah. And that's another one that I can't answer. Because again, because it's just like, but you're just, but you're not necessarily bothered by a gram. You know what I mean? I'm just like, Meh. yeah. I mean, this is the thing. We, God knows, I'm sure everyone who's listened to this podcast for the last several months is tired about my whole whiny will I, won't I buy Marvel books, you know? But the fact that I'm still buying, I mean, and that I, this is this is when I had the whole like, wow, if I went down the route of trying to like flame whacker, what would I actually say, you know? Uh, you know, there's there are whole levels of like out of the out of all the reasons why um, I wouldn't support Marvel Comics. Be you know, Steve Wacker being a dick on the internet is such a low low reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm having way more trouble figuring out like, but but Kirby, but but work for hire, but but the way they treat their you know their workers, you know, but but and uh, you know and and currently, you know, Wacker being a dick is so far below that, you know. Mm, yeah. So I mean, yeah, there there is a way in which I sort of have this feeling of like, well, you know, like, well, Graham, I can't answer that because I feel like I'm still wrong for buying this shit despite how they treated Jack Kirby, you know, and like that and go on, you know, 
but currently I'm at a stage of like this is what I'm okay with and I'm currently okay with it and and what you're okay with and technically I think you should feel that that is okay until suddenly someone is holding up like really crazy demonstrable evidence that you should feel otherwise here's the other thing as I said at the start I haven't been to a comic store in six weeks there right. are there are reasons for this I, that I think you know besides busyness um but I, I feel that's like funny. I ha- I don't really know any. I always just as chalked it up to busyness. Busyness <laughs> being like, well, there's also financial situations due to things that you know. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So it's not some sort of weird like I'm like is Graham wrestling with these yes, ethical I, issues? Too? Yes, I am. Uh, no, but here's the thing. I'm not. I'm at the point where I'm like, if I just stopped buying these comics, <laughs> that's not any different from my last month. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that. I mean, you... I Technically, I'm the guy who's bought more comics, Marvel and otherwise, than you in the last month, right? Well, and you've bought any, yes. Yeah, exactly. That's because <laughs> I'm not joking. I haven't bought, I have bought yeah. one comic in right. the last six weeks. Right. Exactly. And I mean, I would have to go down my list, but, you know... I mean, I've bought more of those. Very few of them are, are Marvel, but more of them than not. In fact, interestingly enough, speaking of Dan Slott, I had this weird moment where I was like, they had the acclaimed Spider-Man stories uh, as the Monday sale, the Monday Marvel sale, and, and all of his Spider-Man Human Torch issues were 99 cents a pop, you know, that miniseries. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I turned around and I bought them, and I'm kind of like, huh, this is probably wrong. Purchase. <laughs> Why? Purchase. Why, why is why it wrong, I, or why was I buying them? Why, yeah, exactly. Why? I really had this moment. Yeah, I was like, I, I was like, apparently, I love that one episode, that one issue with the spider mobile and the hostess fruit pies. That I will like um, purchase this, and some for whatever reason, all of these. Hooray! <laughs> I, I read that series whenever, actually, whenever the digest came out. Yeah, that little tiny digest. Um, because that's that's the way I read it, and I I enjoyed it. I yeah, it's great stuff. I, I think you'll totally like it. I, well, I see that's it. I've read. I didn't read all five of the issues, but I read at least three of them, and and one of them was quote unquote a keeper. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do this. But I really had this weird moment of like, huh? Um, it's I can understand why people are bored with it because it really is like li- listening to this guy being like, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna get high anymore, Graham. I'm just tired of getting high. I just don't like who I am when I'm high. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you're cut off by the sound of the bong burbling in the background. <laughs> you know, I'm like, were you saying something? You know, kind of. It's just so. Yeah, no, it would be fascinating to me. But here's the thing, like. So you would just would you think about just stopping comics altogether? I, I mean, I don't know. Here's the thing: I have, I was actually when everyone was like, "I'm not going to read Steve Walker comics after this." Um, someone said, "That's pretty much all I read for Marvel." Right? I, I was like, "Huh? What am I actually reading in terms of Marvel comics?" Or that's not true. What am I buying in terms of Marvel comics? And it's fairly minimal. Like, I feel like I could drop every Marvel comic that I bought which is not many and I would maybe genuinely miss three at most right right yeah I, I'm at the stage where honestly looking at the pile of stuff that I have and the people who have left certain books and will be leaving certain books my my Marvel titles are maybe three I could probably whittle it down to two but it's, it's not weird I don't know I just, I don't know, I just... Someone said on the internet recently 
Um, something along the lines of comic books will not exist as we know them in 10 years. And I thought, huh. Because the idea of not reading comics in 10 years, or not, that's not true, of not going to the store and buying comics and coming home with the stack and reading comics. Yeah. Seemed really weird. Because I've been mm-hmm. doing that for so long. I've been doing that right. for more than half my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then it happens accidentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I don't really miss it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like if I missed it that much, I could have gone to the store. But other things have happened. Other things have been more important. There has been more reason not to go to the store than to go to the store. Right. Um, and that's a really weird feeling. Mm-hmm. There really is a sense of, huh? I I don't like. I could see myself going to the store once a month and just having a pull list of a very few number of books, mm-hmm. and just getting those. And I think right. the one of the reasons that I was reading so many comics in a weird way was because I was at the store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. If you go into the store every week, like. Because there was a point where we shifted talking on our podcast, and it was around the time of the new 52, where I started going into the store every week because I want to talk to you about the stuff, and it wasn't going to be comped, and there was a few things that I was interested in. And so I've been back in the habit of going to the store pretty much weekly. Like, I'll, I'll slow it down and do bi-weekly, but it's like you and I talk on Thursdays. I usually go to, to the store and get my books on Wednesday. You know, and admittedly, I have about as close to an optimal comics book setting as you can get. You know, like I am, you know, friends with Hibs. Matt behind the counter is fantastic. Other guys come in who I know and like, even if they don't. Like, I basically have the freedom to basically hang there as long as I want. Bullshit. You know, ask people about other books, you know, loaf around and, and grab whatever, you know, because of the way my work schedule set up. Um, but there were still time. But before five or six months ago, I was only going once a month, you know, and in sitting down and looking at the amount of time that I have in my schedule, part of me is like, well, I could probably go if I do it an hour, hour and a half. You know? Yeah. Um, it's important to me as an employee, as a former employee of Comics Experience, as somebody who like works for the website, works as, I don't know, contributes to the work site, you know, and who cares about comics to sort of continue going to the store all the time. But, but I do have that feeling of like, I'm like, but sort of a, but why, but do I have to, you know, like maybe I don't want to anymore. Like there's never been that weird. There's never been a weirder time for me to have this monkey on my back because it's one thing where you've got uh, the comic comic monkey on your back and you're like you're scraping together you know you're like that dude who's reported on uh, Bleeding Cool you know the the drug dealer who like managed to destroy his finances by you know getting too obsessed with comics or something but but to be at this point now where it's like well you know the industry's in tough shape like I kind of feel like now more than ever it quote unquote needs me but really how much does comics ever really need anyone you know like it needs it needs me for what to continue to make short-sighted investments to continue what? to put out that, that's you know? just it like I, in terms of 
definitely in terms of the big two, as as they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as distant from those companies as I ever have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the majority of independent publishers don't have that regular schedule. Exactly. Which for is better, for better or yeah. worse. Yeah, better and worse, really. I think. Well, depending on their intent. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Some companies really want to have a great schedule, and they just can't manage it. They um, just can't manage it, yeah. And so you really do end up with this strange. Why should I go every week? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we got. I got a letter from uh, Matt Turrell, who listens to the podcast, and I haven't had a chance to respond to him. And you know, has has written to us at at waitwhatpodcast at gmail dot com. And he he wrote me an email that I mean to respond to, but he's he's kind of like, but okay, I don't mean to be argumentative, but I'm really asking, like, why should I support my shops? You know, and he actually says, like, just the few months that I've had this iPad has been. It's a com- he's it's a completely different experience, and he said, and he's like, you know, I heard I wasn't going to pick up Glory. I heard good things about it. I didn't have to like run off to my shop to see or go to five shops to hunt up a copy. I just opened up my iPad and I ordered it, and then I read it and I liked it. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. And that's that is that's a that's a weird nature of like, I had I had this I you know Monday was the first day was the first time in like f- in the four weeks that I've been doing it where halfway through the day I rem- I remembered because I had forgotten that Shonen Jump Alpha was coming out and I had 120 pages of comics sitting there. All I had to do was remember to log in and get it and download it and read it. Mm-hmm. And that's... Um, on the one hand, there was kind of that feeling of like, ah, the future, you know. On the other hand, it doesn't get any farther from the comic book experience than than that. You no, know? exactly. And, yeah, and so, yeah, there is that element of like... I personally am, uh, you know, I I definitely am a Hibbs booster, uh, and I do believe him that, that the comics industry is not strong enough to handle uh, the disappearance of the direct market currently. And direct market shops are, the shops are what hold up the direct market. And this is probably what I was going to get around to saying to, to Matt, is like, hey, that's totally cool, but you know what? Go in once a month, you know. Find a book, you know. That's that's the weird thing. Mm -hmm. Everything I'm really looking forward to reading. Everything Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to reading in the next few months Mm -hmm. would not exist if the drag market didn't. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Blank slates, Hugo Tape book would not exist. Top shelves, because um, there's new Eddie Campbell coming out really soon. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And top shelves, new Eddie Campbell would not exist if there's no direct market. Yeah. And it's this weird thing where I simultaneously feel, you know, why why am I going into the store? Why, you know, and also that I don't want to go into the store. That other right. the other things are more important. Mm-hmm. And that I don't feel any impetus. I don't feel I've got to go and read that issue of action or whatever. But that right. is genuinely like the thing that's come closest to. Oh, I really should go pick it up. But it's in my file. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, there's no reason for me to run. Yeah. Um, but if I was just like, ah, fuck it, you know, I, I'm mm-hmm. just going to get everything off Comicsology. Mm-hmm. I would be contributing to the demise of publishers who are publishing stuff that I really want to read. It's this weird thing. I feel like I have to support 
the publishers I don't want to support right. in order to support the retailers who support the business that I do want to support. Right. Well, I mean, that, I, the, you know, there's I half of that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? You can go in, of course, and, and only pick up uh, profit, although I don't necessarily know if that's your thing. You know, like, there are, right now, Image is a great point where it's like someone can go in and pick up profit, glory, um, Walking Dead, and Fatal. And those are all a handful of great books. Uh, uh, everything that, that a certain stripe of comic reader would want, and it does not. It doesn't go to Marvel. It doesn't go to DC. I mean, it might be going to you know um, Todd McFarlane's ultimately terrifying butt plug. But you know, it's you know, I, I, for me, I'm kind of like we're at this weird point. Like, did you read that Mother Jones article that's going around with the woman who worked in the the scary super warehouse? Yes. Yes. You know, that was depressing. I thought I thought the Amazon stuff was depressing, you know, and I mean this is really this is just the next stage behind it. But the the palpable human misery in that story um really had me kind of awestruck, like dumbstruck. I don't remember where Edie and I were, but we were oh I had to go get some because I used to have Amazon Prime and then I read the story about the Amazon warehouses and I'm like, you know what? I can't I, I'm I'm renegotiating my relationship with Amazon. I can't do but I can't give them money to like support the their warehouse situation, mm-hmm. you know? Um so I stopped doing that, but as this weird after effect like these few over the counter medications that I've been taking have now gone back to, you know, twice the price because I'm, I now have to go down to Walgreens and buy sure. it. And let's face it, you know, <laughs> Walgreens is still a far cry from, you know, I, Mecca, you know? It's not a happy place. But I was like, well, you know what? These people aren't being told to essentially run around and then being, you know, shouted at that they're, you know, have got to improve their numbers and their, you know, temp employees. You know, these are guys that are like there and actually work in this place and even though they're giving me sullen service I'm like maybe it's better that I like I, I really want a happy medium I'm like surely there's something a little better than giving my money to Walgreens right but I just I don't know I just feel like there's there's never been a more complex time I guess to be someone who really cares about about the things that you're not just the things that you're involved in, but the things that you used to love, um, and what you're, what's going to happen to them in the future, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, uh, it, it, it really kind of, it, it's really, uh, it's frustrating that it has to kind of happen this way in part, because again, like, you know, even if you, even if you and I do stop going to the shops, even if every person that emailed you that said that they aren't going to buy, you know, Wacker's books, just stop buying Marvel altogether. Apparently, uh, apparently retailers bought 200,000 copies of Avengers versus X-Men number one in advance, you know? Yeah, I know. So <laughs> bizarrely, I feel like you can then extrapolate that to it is your responsibility to buy Avengers versus X-Men number one to support your retailer who otherwise will have to eat that. <laughs> right. Well, right. Then you start getting into these weird, but yeah, I mean, the great thing, that's the great thing about shopping a comics experience. I do not suspect that, that, that Brian Hibbs ordered a significant number. Brian Hibbs ordered 190,000 copies by himself. 
It's true. He's just going to have them shellacked, and he's going to construct a lean-to on a vacant lot that's going to sell comics. Ah, boy. The house that the architects built. Um, Well, they are architects. Come on. What else are they going to (laughs) do? Try the veal, ladies and gentlemen. Try the veal. (laughs) So you don't really... Are there things... Have you bought anything on Comixology? Are there going to be things that we can talk about? (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. All I've read is old shit uh, in collective form from library. Right. So you read Spider Island. What else? Oh, God. What have I read recently? Um... I've read all of Chris Claremont's X-Men run. Uh, I've read... Actually, I've been reading... I have been reading lots of things from the, the early image comics, or pre-image comics days, as you say, like Rob Lethal's New Mutants, which I've never read before. Mm-hmm. Um, the final issues of X-Factor before it became the Peter David run. Wow. Um, th- things like that. I, fr- I, I couldn't even tell you why <laughs> I've been reading that. I've... Uh, been going back through um, Kirby. Mm-hmm. I've been doing Machine Man, which I've been telling you about. Um, the final issues of the Defenders, which I told you about last week. Yes, yes, good. Uh, wait, really? Oh dear. <laughs> uh, it's it's hard for me to explain just how painful they are. With those Defenders issues, you kind yeah. of conveyed it well last issue, last episode, I think. You really I, 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 I'm not sure I did rereading them. <laughs> going back, because I, I pretty much went back. I was like, they can't be that bad. Oh, they are. Um, right. Yeah, I, I've 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 not been reading a lot of comics. Mm. I've been reading a lot of prose. I've not been reading a lot of comics. Ooh, tell me more. Actually, before you do, let me put jump in a little segue because I mentioned it on Twitter super briefly just once. I want to say yesterday it was probably Tuesday. So I'll mention it here again because it seemed to me like as I as I tweeted it, I was like, hey, this will be kind of a fun topic to talk about, or maybe not. I'm reading – I just finished reading the, the first book of The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins, mm-hmm. uh, which for various reasons – like I had – we have various people who have said really good things about The Hunger Games you mm-hmm. know, for a very long time. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to pick this up. And I realized, like, I got to get on the stick because the movie was coming up. And it's like, I definitely want to read this. And so I, and it started off, the first chapter of it was a little like, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to like this. Like, it really just, I didn't like the the ways she chose to tell the story seemed really passive. Like, it's first person narration. But there was so much stuff that she was trying to get you caught up on. Mm-hmm. Um and then by the end of it, the end of that very first chapter, I'm like, oh, okay, that's actually pretty clever. And then from there, it just sort of got, to me, kind of better and better and better in ways that were just the way that she went about telling the story. But the thing that gets me, and do you know much about the premise of The Hunger Games? Yes. I, have no, I haven't read it, but I know the premise. Okay. The thing that struck me, there, there, is, there is a scene where... Um, Katniss, the the main protagonist, is in the arena, and um, is essentially set up a little bit of a safe haven for herself. And at that point, uh, at various points throughout the game, the people running the game basically turn the tables on the situation to force the competitors to be closer to each other, so they have to fight, so they just don't spread out. And, and the thing that's so she there's this this I won't try to give too much of it away, but there is a, a, a 
they have a fire thing break out and she and everyone is sort of running through the forest and it's on fire and then this thing starts shooting fireballs at her and she's leaping over like rocks and like behind stumps and things and describing the the you know the singeing and the heat and i'm like oh my god this is a, this is a jack kirby sequence like, mm-hmm. this is so, like, I remember, like, a Captain America annual where, like, Cap is fighting, of you know, invaders from Mars, and there's actually, like, like space creatures in the woods that start shooting fireballs at him, and he's jumping around, and, and even the way he falls and all this, and I'm like, oh my god, like, the Hunger Games is so Kirby-esque. Like, I had that weird moment, like, yes... Oh no! I was just going to say. I think the I think the premise is really Kirby-esque. Yes, and that was it. Like I kind of was like, uh, you know, because uh, you know, I was a big fan of of Battle Royale, the Japanese uh, manga, that you know, slash movie slash you know novel slash everything you know, set cupcake tins that came out from Japan like you know way back when, and was a huge fan of that stuff and so I was like oh man okay so somebody's just ripping off Battle Royale and blah 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 but the way that the way that Suzanne Collins sets it up where there is the capital that controls all of the United States there's 12 districts there used to be 13 one was wiped out that are all uh, you know some of them are rich some of them are very poor but each of them have two tributes picked out to participate in the games and she talks about how each one has their own you know their own birds their own colors their own product that they're known for and it's so it's so Kirby-ish I can so totally see the the cities you know and the things where people come out in their like dresses and each one's supposed to represent their district and it's so Kirby it is so Kirby-ish like like you said from the premise to the way that they move it to even really honestly the way that the story is told because it's got lots of like Kirby faces in close-up you know and the the bad villains and then the the young innocents and um it's it's it, I would I would uh, you know somewhere up there in heaven like Kirby has done an adaptation of the Hunger Games that I'll get to see and I'll be like oh this is even better than I would have imagined somewhere up there in heaven Kirby wrote the Hunger Games and then sent it down yeah there Sack we go Collins. see this is perfect she's like <laughs> Hunger, Hunger Dogs no games games right and he's like no dogs no 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 games okay got it it's like no listen to why aren't you listening to me what the hell so yeah. Is that anyway. your Kirby impression? I, that is, you have possibly just made the best argument for me ever reading those books. Well, oh, again, many, many other people have said that I should read them. Uh, yeah. And I just haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, in part because I'm reading Jonah Lehrer books on neuroscience. God knows why. Wow. Um, yeah, but really, God knows why. Because to be honest, <laughs> they're not very good. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I, really? I, yeah, I am. Uh, do you know Jonah Lehrer who writes for Wired and he's on Radio Lab a lot? No, I don't. He's a neuroscientist. He's a writer. Um, mm-hmm. He wrote a book called Proust was Neuroscientist. Uh, and he also wrote, I think it's called Why We Decide or How We Decide. One or the other. Uh, oh, yeah. I think I actually, I might have a hold on the library for that book now that I think about well, it. Well, I'd like to know if you find it as disappointing as I did. <laughs> Honestly, one of those things where I'm like, this is a fascinating subject. Why we make the decisions we do? And I honestly feel like the book was pretty much 200 pages of him being like, eh, some of it's instinct, some of it's experience. 
what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? And honestly, I want more from a book than that. And I can't explain how entirely disappointed with this book I was. I was really looking forward to it, and then I was like, what? Why are you failing to tell me anything? Yeah, this yeah. Is, um, no, but that that's what I've been reading instead of, you know, fun fiction. Um, I think you've just sold me on on the Hunger Games. Yeah, try the Hunger Games. Honestly, it's it's like a really good Kirby Captain America annual. It'll only take you maybe three times as long to read it as you know. Oh, I pulled uh, over the Kirby finals. I don't know. Well, that's then maybe we'll catch up. We'll see how it goes. But it it, it is. It's uh, it, I, it's I really admired some of the things that she's done. I'm kind of I'm reading. I'm actually reading Donald Glut's Brother Blood right now to um, before jumping back to the second of the Hunger Games books, and I'm maybe a chapter into that and going, is this real? Was this really a good idea? You know, um, what's happening in the Hunger Games? I was Gary. <laughs> exactly. What's happening now? No, I was just more the idea of like, well, I need something else to read. I don't want it to be too absorbing. Oh, I bought this on a drunken night spree. You know. Brother of Blood by Donald F. Glut. It's vampires on the Sunset Strip in the seventies or no late sixties. How bad can it be? It's it's showing me. It's showing me exactly how bad it can be. So, um, yeah, I wish I could say that I read something even more awesome than that. Profit issue number twenty-two. I don't think you would like, but is awesome. Is a great great uh, issue. Why would I not like it? Well, because you didn't. You were kind of meh about the. F- issue 21 I think Yeah. so issue 22 I'm not really sure if it would be the sort of thing that you would dig um, but but I really loved it it was like a very solid story one thing that you might actually like about Prophet is the fact that um, is that Brandon pops up very quickly and is like hey so we're going to be doing backup comics um, and the backup comic is by is Zunes by uh, Phil Barlow, who did the comic uh, Zooniverse, and it's a very short piece. It's so totally atypical. It's it's a it's a four page strip, and it's the strip that you might like because it actually seems like a throw a very weird two thousand AD throwaway story. Okay, you know, I, I uh, I'm, I'm again. It's, it's Prophet is one of those books that I didn't really like and felt guilt for. Right. And I think, and this is why part of me is like, if nothing else, pick up those four pages and read that because I don't think you will like the rest of the issue. It's not bad. It's just, it's more of the same, but better. But I didn't, the sense that I got was you just didn't dig what was being served you. You know what I mean? So it's not really like better is necessarily in, uh, of interest. Exactly. exactly. It's better. Is, right. Yeah, it's not necessarily that I thought this would be great if the quality would higher as much as I'm not sure this is my flavor in the first place. Yeah, and I really get the sense that it's not. Like, the, it, it really does do the, you know, Space Conan set in, like, the Star Wars cantina, you know, kind of vibe from the first issue, but but even more so. But, I mean, I really loved it, but I can see where you would not like it. I have to admit, for whatever reason, I bought Road Rage by IDW, the first issue. Oh, I, what did you think? Because I, I could mail that, and uh, I was not a massive fan of it. Mm, I have to admit, I've had it for over a week now, and I still haven't read it. 
Like I bought it. I'm like, oh, this will be great. And I kept picking it up and flipping through it. And I'm like, what was I thinking? Why did I do this? Like, because again, are you, are you I'm like, stuff? I don't think I am. No, I don't. I haven't. I haven't read enough of his stuff. I guess I'm like always like, oh, I'm going to give it a try and I'm going to like it. I don't really lock and key. Didn't really do much for me when I tried reading it. So I actually I really much, enjoyed lock uh, and key. Okay. I, I, which I feel is very atypical of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for some reason, Lock and Key really connected with me. Mm, interesting. Yeah, this one was, I was like, oh, wait, you know, biker gangs. This seems right up my alley. Um, maybe there's a pun there. And then, I don't know, I just, I, every time I've sat down to read it, like by page two, I'm kind of going, eh, meh. You know. Why aren't their heads on fire? <laughs> oh, Graham, you can see right through me. <laughs> Ah, it, it was that or a Hot Pursuits joke. That was Hot Pursuit. This was the character in Flash, right? Yes, which I was super excited by. And then they fucked that all up. But who knows? Maybe we'll be back in Earth 2. I don't know. Or, or New 52. I, Earth. Earth 2, by the way. Are you excited? Why? Why? Was there something... Is it, is there a pantsless issue? Have they announced something exciting? I don't... No, no I'm... You know the preview art. Baby Batman isn't Bruce Wayne. Wonder Woman's the last of the Amazons, which is like Wonder Woman plot number two. I would love it. They should flip it around. They should should be like, Wonder Woman's the first of the Amazons. She has only 30 years to create the race. I don't know. That would be great. It would be interesting, especially if it wasn't, you know, it didn't mean that she had to do the waka chica with, uh, with all these heroes, which I'm sure is the way people would take it. But it's like, no, no, no. No, no, no like, magical what, one clay. Or... Yeah, one woman has to create a whole race out of magical clay. Yeah, exactly. Actually, exactly. I would totally enjoy a one room story if she has like 12 feats to do in order to create the Amazons. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the like old mystical structure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm definitely down with that. You know, uh, once again, we're back to like, hey, I know. Here's the comic I want to read. <laughs> I, I haven't read any comics of you. No. Okay, let's make some up. <laughs> exactly. Come on. Anyway, the thing that cracked me up about Earth Two was very much this whole thing that they're like their marketing almost feels like um, it, it's it, it's just this weird like it's Flashpoint or is it? But it is or not. Yeah, that's, you know. That's- it's like really Earth Two is Flashpoint mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I don't I can't think of anyone who finished Flashpoint and was like oh I wish there was an ongoing series set in that universe. I right exactly I, that's my thing unless but I but I also kind of see the thing because Robinson's kind of seems like a very savvy person to me is like I can see them being like you know. Jim, we would like you to do a book for us. And he's like, I too would like to do a book for you. And they're like, yeah, we're thinking about something. It's really just kind of, we want it to be like the JSA and Earth 2, but we want it to be different. What can you give us? And he's like, okay, uh, give me a day. And then he goes back, hits the net, looks at some sales numbers, and is like, okay, I have, you know, basically anything that seems to have stuck, you know, in, in the last six months before the new 52 I'm going to put in here, you know? It's like, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to have Flashpoint Batman, but he's not Flashpoint Batman, but he is for those people who really dug Flashpoint Batman, you know? And I'm also going to do that with people who dug, you know, I don't know, Flashpoint Shade, but isn't Flashpoint Shade, but is, and then Sugar and Spike, you know, because they're detectives, you know, or whatever he's going to be doing, 
you know? It would be great if, like, they're selling it as, it's grittier than you think, and then you open it, and they're like, so in the background, there's all this gritty shit going on, but here's Sugar and Spike, and here's, you know, James Robinson's tribute to Devil Dinosaur. See? Wouldn't that make us all... That would make almost everybody happy, you know? But, uh, in fact, it's almost how you made those Justice League of America <laughs> issues sound. That's what I'm saying! If he's like, here's the real cast of Earth 2, which I didn't tell you, it's Kong Gorilla. Right. And Ice Maiden. I think, and no offense to... I think he should leave Kong Gorilla alone for a little while, don't you? You say that like he's done a lot with Kong Gorilla. Hasn't he? Did he do him in Cry for Justice, and then didn't he pop up somewhere else, and it was James Robinson? Yeah, he did. uh, Yeah, all all the Kong Gorilla appearances recently have been James Robinson. Don't get That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. People or else are like, I wish I could do something with Kong Gorilla. However, I don't think that he actually got to do a lot with Kong Gorilla, if that makes sense. I think he's written Kong Gorilla into a lot of stories without actually ever managing to do anything with the character. Yeah. What? Why? Is my question. You know? Like, at that point, the whole idea is like, I'm going to write in Kong Gorilla. Oh, I'm not going to... You know what I mean? It's not like he was like, okay, okay, I'm putting in Kong Gorilla, but goddammit, I'm not going to do anything with him. Why? You know? It's always been like, I'm going to do something Kong Gorilla, but it's going to take a while, and I'm going to start it really slowly, and they're like, we're cancelling your book. Right, exactly. It's like, okay, I'll bring Kong Gorilla over here, and it's like, okay, that has gone from being a 12-issue series to a three-issue series. Rapid yeah, exactly. And they're like... Because, I mean, Kong Gorilla pretty much disappears from his Justice League mm-hmm. for, like, half the run. They're like, hey, didn't you mean to go back to Africa? And you can tell he's setting up a story, and then all of a sudden he comes back, and he's like, yep, Africa was lovely. <laughs> it was really nice. Thanks for asking. Sonny, you know, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I have yeah. to say, I was a little worried about my tan, but it looks good. It looks even. It turns out I'm a gorilla. <laughs> I really didn't know. I was kind of like, Meh. everyone kept saying, but you know how they screw up monkeys and apes all the time? I'm like, what if I'm really an orangutan? I, mean, I don't know. I looked at some pictures on the internet, and frankly, it could have gone either way. So, I could that would actually crying gorilla, and it turned out to be pictures of me, and I kind of got freaked out. <laughs> oh, good old weeping gorilla! I do adore that, uh, dude. Okay, so you're basically saying we have no podcast, is what you're saying? Now, yeah, but we have much to talk for an hour and a half. <laughs> well, no that's the that's the power of us, Graham. Really. But you see, here's the thing: I have two things that I, we're going to talk about that are not comic related, and everyone, I'm really sorry for putting you through all of this completely. Ru- this is because last week we had concentrated comics. This is the decompression afterwards, where we're like, I guess let's just talk about true. everything that's not comics. Um, yeah. I want to know about you and Doctor Who because you've teased it twice now. Oh, right. Oh, I thought for some reason... Right, okay. So, yes. Uh, that's actually great, because we, we watched an episode uh, two nights ago. Uh, what happened was... Um, how did this work? Uh, essentially, based on some recommendations for from some friends, and kind of like, oh, well, 20 minutes being about the average time that I can sort of find free, I started watching episodes of Coupling uh, on Hulu. Sure. And uh, I was like... I really like this Stephen Moffat guy. Like, the first season of Coupling has some really incredibly clever structure stuff to it. He, I mean, there's other things that I sort of found funny. There's stuff that I found, like, you know, 
air quotes funny you know there was stuff that was like but generally like as sitcoms go I was like wow there's some incredibly clever stuff in the plotting and the structure of this and so after making my way through that oh right because it went Sherlock season one Sherlock season two then checking out more Moffat through coupling and then kind of like oh well let's try some Doctor Who I might as well try some Doctor Who now that I've done everything exactly yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, let's try some Doctor Who. I wanted to start with uh, Moffat stuff. And so we started at the season, uh, beginning of season five because it's starting of Matt Smith stuff. And Edie had sort of known enough about the characters. Uh, not the characters, but I guess, you know, there was enough coverage about Matt Smith and uh, Karen Gillan or whatever that he, she was like, oh, I have a vague awareness of what, you know, Shovel Face, as she calls him. So let's let's check out the episode. <laughs> Oh, wow. Again, not inaccurate. Yeah, exactly. So we start watching the, you know, we watch the first episode of season five. And I think, as I told you, one of the things that I really um, am enthralled with by Doctor Who, I mentioned the Superman stuff and I had some people correct me, which I think is both interesting and and worth exploring on my own later, uh, is, is is that Doctor Who is this brilliant... Once they build the idea of a, of the different doctors into it, you know, the idea of like he leaves and he comes back and he's a different guy. Yeah. It becomes almost to me kind of a perfect show because you've got any number of jumping on points. I mean, here we are. We I don't think there would be any other show that I would feel comfortable jumping on in, you know, quote, season five or, you know, season 305 of this long-running science fiction franchise, I'd be a little bit like, uh, am I going to dig it? Am I going to get it? But it's perfectly, between the new Doctor and the new companions, it essentially has... It, um, it's a new pilot. Yeah, it, it's a new pilot built in. There's like, the exposition engine is built in as an integral part of who the characters are relating to each other. And so, especially in, you know, the first of the Matt Smith things, I, I can tell that Moffat is playing with various things from the way that it's emphasized with Amy Pond, but what's great about it is it totally worked on its own, and even as he's taking stuff that, of course, I know is undoubtedly crossing the plasma wires for big Doctor Who continuity fans, uh, not continuity fans, but the idea that, you know, the, the, the weirdo romantic tension between Amy Pond and the Doctor for the first couple of episodes, like, Edie was like, yeah, this is all right. I like these characters, and I really like that sort of zigzag. Um, and the first two episodes were really fun. And then, of course, we jumped back to watch Blink, because Blink, you know, the, there was the Planet of the Weeping yeah, Angels yeah. thing. So I'm like, well, we should really watch Blink. And then Blink is, having had this little introduction to the Doctor who verse, so I know enough about it, like, Blink is a, a staggeringly kind of perfect hour of broadcast television. It, it is, isn't it? Blink, Blink really, is just stunningly good. Yeah, it's it's everything that I want in terms of the structure from Moffat, but but almost, you know, squared and done so perfectly and so casually and so organically. Um, And then he gets to throw all that other stuff in there. And it's like, wow, that was kind of an amazing episode, an amazingly satisfying episode of of TV. So 
that actually kind of had us all woo-wooed about. And then we went back into it. And honestly, I think it was kind of great. We just got through the two-parter with the dinosaur people. And Edie looked at me and was like, I can't, I don't think I can do one more episode of this. And I'm like, let's just hang out. Vincent Van Gogh. Let's, you know, Vincent Van, you know. It was fat, and so it, it's fascinating. She really kind of was like, uh, "Wait, so episodes- she's burned out altogether, or just burned out for like for a while?" Uh, we'll see. I think she's burnt out, but I think the the thing is, and this is the other thing that's kind of interesting, is a lot of those episodes are written by you know other people, yeah. I mean, and I know that he's show running them, but especially that two part dinosaur people episode was mega weak sauce yes and there's a yes there's a, it's one know, of those things that you kind of want to tell people to skip apart from the end which you have to know oh interesting okay well it's one of those things where i'm strongly i was like ooh. so that kind of i think that killed her boner a little bit it's not really like the vampires in vienna necessarily like did it for but she's definitely this is the thing like she enjoys the inter- the interaction between the characters and the more you get into an episode where everyone's running around and doing the crazy she's not really a crazy plot of the week person mm-hmm. so we'll see if we keep her on board in what, a way. what see it's kind of I'm kind of like you have to because you have to make it to the end of that season which is just, just one the final two episodes are just beautifully constructed and are such such a well, such a well done callback to the first episode of the season. Mm-hmm. That I'm kind of like, it really does pay off. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think actually knowing that I'll be able to sort of push her. But of course, part of me is also like, you know, like uh, let's jump back and watch Shadows in the Library. You know, I'm sort of like trying to do some research and jump into some of the other, you know, tenant episodes that are that are done by Moffat in the in the hopes that we'll we'll get something because seriously blink is like to watch the first two episodes of season five and then jump back and watch blink you're just kind of like holy shit this show can do it all and then of course you know you hit a couple of things you know then it's no, Daleks in World War two that's just that like, like mm-hmm. the Daleks in World War two is really not good and mm-hmm. the the I mean it's kind of terrible uh, and the Dinosaurs Underground is kind of terrible as well. Doctor Who right. always has shitty episodes every season. Always. Right. Sure. And I think it's something you just have to accept. Kate and I have a running joke that every single time her mother visits and Doctor Who's on, <laughs> we're always like, it's a really good show. And it's always one of the terrible episodes. Right. And so right. she's like, this exactly. is a terrible show. And we're like, no, honestly, it's kind of a good show. You're just watching at the wrong time. <laughs> exactly. You just have the bad luck. It's like in Blink. You you know, this show is good whenever you close your eyes. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. So, but I love the construction of it. That, like you said, it's like it's built to have the pilot in it you know, essentially each time it starts up. And then, of course, if you've got someone very clever, I can just imagine the ways in which this this character, and of course some people in the comments have been kind enough to tell me how different um, Moffat's Who is from previous seasons or previous Doctors and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but if you like the structure aspect mm-hmm. of the whole thing, mm-hmm. part of me is tempted to say just jump ahead to the end of the season. Because at this point, you know everything you need to know for the end of the season. Right. Oh, interesting. Well, that... that there, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit more in the, the Vincent Van Gogh episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but The Lodger, mm-hmm. for example, is like Blink. It's a standalone episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so is you can pretty much jump ahead. Or is it... 
Oh, I really liked the lecture. I thought the lecture was really funny. Okay. But uh, but um, at this point, basically, if Edie is feeling burnt out, but is like, maybe mm-hmm. I'll give it one more go, jump ahead to the second last episode of the season. Oh, interesting. Which okay. is the, the Pandora opens. Because you know everything you need to know. Right. And the structure of that and the episode afterwards, especially the episode mm-hmm. afterwards, is just lovely. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, and I believe it because there was enough little bits and pieces built into that very first episode where you could to me I'm like oh he's leaving these really great gaps to go to some really interesting places if he sort of chooses to and that personally even that episode itself was just kind of brilliantly structured to where it was like yeah I I haven't totally lost faith in the guy and if nothing else I'm interested in it and I'm really interested again in this idea of like this is such a it's such a goddamn weird show it is so strange and yet the way that it is it's 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 as if every piece that comes together um works like and I'm sure that's through you know decades of honing and fans like Moffat and Davies like jumping at it and knowing what they liked and knowing what they wanted and what was important but um but it's fascinating to me what's interesting to me is this season you're watching works in a way that the earlier seasons of the revival and definitely the original show didn't Mm. I I think there's a much the the earlier episodes are much more imbalanced um, and just don't have this the intelligence of Moffat's episodes I mean Blink is great but Blink is Moffat doing a standalone episode within that season yes exactly exactly which is why I've been a little like uh, I don't know quite where to go but you know and so I, example I, if you went back it, mm-hmm. sorry I need to go no I was just going to say and yet what's hilarious is one of the things that I realize uh, that Doctor Who fans have to do like I don't it, it's like this weird quirk. It's like telling you where you really should start watching. Because I went in and told all this stuff to Hibbs, and he's like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. You should you should jump back to season one. Eccleston. You should have jumped on with Eccleston. I'm like, no, this is really good, and we're enjoying it. He's like, no, 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 man. Go all the way back to Eccleston. And I'm like, no, Hibbs, I'm telling you. And it was, so it was great when someone in the comments was like, <laughs> dude, you got to go back. Go back to... Um, Tom Baker, like rent some of the ones, the Tom Baker ones. Those are the ones that'll tell you what Doctor Who's really like, and it'll, it'll, you'll, you'll well, find you're, it's, well. it's it's James Bond, mm-hmm. right? It's, exactly. all, it's almost like you know your first contact is your strongest, right? Yeah, so I can really see where people are like, dude, that this Timothy Dalton guy, you got to go all the way back to George Lazenby. He will rock your world, you know. And I totally get that. Um, I mean, it's just really funny because it is a franchise that has been around for so long that I, let's face it, have downright ignored for such a huge time. And then looking at it, it was like, huh, it really is exactly the the really strange mess that I thought it would be. And yet somehow what I thought was it's 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 exactly those those like snobby people who think that like dog breeds should only be these pure rarefied like you know and you breed them for a specific thing and then that's it you keep the bloodline pure and those those are better than the mongrels you know dogs but the mongrels are the ones that are usually like smarter and you know healthier and don't have all the weird genetic things built in you know Doctor Who is very much this weird collection of bits and pieces and ideas and intuitions 
um, that it, over time is honed to this very odd thing that works. Like it, it, I don't know how the, I keep wanting to compare it to food. Weirdly enough, like Doctor Who is more like food to me than like any other strange genre thing that I can necessarily talk about. You know, so I find that fascinating. What what food would you compare it to? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, uh, see, I'm not. I, I'm not enough of a foodie to really because a lot of it is kind of like meat so um well some someone would say that uh, that doctor who might be a little bit like um like menudo i suppose or or tripe you know that that there's this whole like you know foods that are incredible delicacies now you know any food that's like high-end tony type food uh it actually was created, you know, essentially in that, like, well, we've eaten the rest of the pig. What else is left? Well, it's brains and it's intestines. And it's like, okay, well, we're kind of desperate. We're going to, like, cook the brains, all the other meats that we have left. We're going to grind it up with some peppers and we're going to tie it off in the intestines and we're going to call it sausage, you know? and. Yeah. Yeah. And and yet somebody comes in and you know eventually like that it becomes this amazing like a, a a chef with the right ideas like oh my god you can do anything with sausage you can grind any kind of meats you can grind any kind of herbs and you start you know tying them together and then you start cutting them and you know you start putting them in things unto themselves and you know it just sort of starts going you know that I guess that's what I mean does that make sense it sort of feels like it's a bad explanation no 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 I I I, I totally got it I totally got it. Um, or turducken. Turducken's a great example. <laughs> like, who's going to shove like a, a a chicken inside a duck inside a turkey? Is that, is that how it works? You know. And yet, clearly, it's a brilliant idea. But someone had to be insane to do it first. You know. And it's all these disparate elements. Yeah. The reason I asked actually is because, as I told you er- uh, yesterday, I went to see Tintin last night in the second oh, round. Theater. Right. Yes. Right. I meant to ask you about that. Tintin's really good. I, I genuinely expected that I would be thrown off by the animation more than anything. I, I knew the writing would be good because it's Stephen Moff doing the first draft and then Edgar Wright did the second. Yeah. And I was like, that's a great combination. Mm-hmm. Um, the animation's spectacular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, takes a, it does take a couple of minutes to be like, huh, so essentially they're lifelike but they've got slightly different proportions and weird heads <laughs> but like in terms of I, in terms of their movements I think it's all because it's all motion capture I mean it's just it's staggeringly good and the textures and yeah it's it's it, it, technically it's amazing um, but it's just a really good enjoyable film I, I, I just came away thinking they should make a million of those <laughs> <laughs> I'm not well, hopefully it made enough money that they might. I actually did realize at some point I wanted to see it. I heard enough good reviews that I was like, you know, I will I'll see that. What the hell? Maybe yeah, if it's if there's a second run going on somewhere around then then I totally recommend it. You know, it's one of the sad things about the crazy um just the crazy uh what's the word that i'm saying uh, uh real estate is so fucked in this town it's, it's like, true there's there's no real second run theaters yeah there really aren't i mean you have to start going like there are the second run theaters like if i wanted to drive down to like 
there's that one that's outside San Jose, like the Cinema Saver Six or something like that, you know, or or there's I think there might be one out in Upper Marin, maybe. But yeah, generally, there here in the city, you don't even have. Okay, well here's, <coughs> excuse me, here's the Adventures of Tintin. Let's see where it's playing. Um, the Third Street Cinema in Sonoma County and the Blue Light Cinemas Five in Santa Clara County. Now, just out of curiosity, let's see what else is playing at the Blue Light Cinemas Five. A dangerous, me- the Dangerous Method, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked, uh, Man on a Ledge, My Week with Marilyn, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, The Adventures of Tintin, The Muppets, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> There's something about Blue Light Cinemas 5 that sounds sad to me. I would be very sad. <laughs> you don't want to go and see all of those films in one day? I, I, I kind of don't. And I'm a guy who's done things that stupid. Like, I did drive down to the Cinema Saver 6 on $1 Tuesday in order to see... Um, what's that movie with Christian Bale and the Gun Fu? Christian Bale and the Gun Fu? Yeah, yeah. They, it was like this post-Matrix movie where they actually created a combat system called the, the loosely called Gun Fu, where people could fight while shooting guns and kicking one another. Um, it was him, and <laughs> Tate Diggs. Think, I think you've made this film up. It's brilliant, Graham. It is one of the dumbest movies. It is so enjoyable because it's um, it's it's set in this. He, it's like Fahrenheit 451, but with emotions. Like everyone is supposed to like take pills to suppress their emotions, and Christian Bale plays one of the doofy police dudes who like run around and shoot people who have feelings. But then he stops taking his meds, and he starts having feelings that he has to hide. It's great. It was. It's, it was. This sounds like the worst film ever made. It's terrible. It is <laughs> awesome. It is so bad. It's like someone trying to make the Matrix with the Apple 1984 commercial mixed together. Um, oh my God. What, what's it called? It's it. Unfortunately, fucking Inception. Equilibrium. Equilibrium is the goofiest goddamn movie. It is great. It is great. The scenes where he's running around kicking people and shooting people, and of course, Tay Diggs begins to suspect that Christian Bale has feelings because it's. And I mean, it's something insane. Like he begin, he he adopts a puppy, and he's trying to keep the puppy hidden when people come over and stuff like that, and show that he doesn't have feelings, but he's really got feelings. So good, like horrible. Like if you get oh, and Sean Bean is in it, of course. Of course, Sean Bean is in it. Yeah, of course, Sean Bean's in it. Of course, he dies in it. Um, that's not spoilers for anyone. Emily Watson's in it. It's it is great. It is, is that a British it film. Is, it is no, I don't think so. It's directed by Kurt Vimmer, who I think went on to direct uh, an even worse movie, Ultraviolet, with Mila Jovovich, which was terrible. Um, which was kind of like what it was like. What if it? What if Eon Flux was even worse? Was essentially the premise on which you managed to sell something. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, imagine that pitch. <laughs> yeah, but no, everything about this movie is uh, supposedly it was it was made in the USA and it was released there, but everything about it really had this idea of like it's being funded by European countries to like be filmed in it and or they have like secured the rights to make soda commercials out of the movie once it's done it's 
terrible. It's great. It's re- it's from 2002, and it's terrible. I'm so glad it's to great. Say it. Well, you know what I mean. Come on, man. You're not going to call me on this. Like, no, I, I totally understand. I just love the, you put the two together that quickly. Well, yes, it's terrible. It's great. Or as Graham McMillan would say, it's spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> I retire. <laughs> oh, you know what else was good? The uh, the first episode of Awake was quite good too. Um, oh, I, that's I've not seen it. I didn't see on television tonight, so I am totally going to be watching it. Yeah, let me know what you think. I don't know where they're going to go with it. I kind of heard from reading some reviews that they can't sort of live up to the brilliance of the pilot, but the pilot is really the smart way to do an American version of Life on Mars. Uh, and uh, and I think you'll appreciate it when you watch it. That would be a fun one to talk about with you. And it's, you know, the way it's set up, it's it's a little, it's enough of a nerdy thing that you can enjoy it. I mean, that we can talk about it and our poor listeners will. I, yeah, no, I feel too guilty. Actually, I feel kind of guilty listeners for, for completely rambling like we did today. This, 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 this was a scattered, scattered... And yet, potentially entertaining two hours that we've just talked. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hoping. I mean, it it was a it was we talked about we didn't talk about not much at length, but uh, you know which we've done better sometimes. We but you know we did have a very focused episode last time. So yeah, I will put on some disclaimers. Um, uh, yeah, people I, who don't like meandering don't listen to this. That should be the disclaimer. Yeah, seriously. I, part of me was kind of like, man, if only we were talking about the Muppets or the Oscars a little more. You know what I mean? So it's like uh, people can get caught Did up. you watch the, the Oscars? Uh, I did not, which is why I didn't bring it up. Did you? <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> that, hey! That, that was a great conversation. <laughs> See, and that's it. Sometimes you know what not to talk about. So, um, yes, listeners, check in next time. Maybe Graham will have bought comic books. Maybe I'll have read some comic books. And I'm, I'm, fair, I'm fairly sure I will have bought comics. I, I think it's been long enough. Yeah. Well, you know, Shonen Jump Alpha is uh, um, fun. By the way, uh, I don't think that I'm not necessarily sure. This was like reading it this Monday, and they also threw in a, a bonus strip for people who are following a One Piece uh, Tobiko crossover, so which makes a lot of sense. And that would be one that I think that you would enjoy, Graham. If you just read like one issue of Shonen Jump Alpha and then read the crossover, you'd be like, that is great. Um, but. Uh, yeah, the, uh, I'll I'll talk about it super quickly. Um, as you know, uh, Tobiko is the gourmet hunter in like this sort of weird manga world where they're always coming up with like he's hunting down the world's most exotic weirdo food and stuff. You know, which is, like, is uh, still like the greatest setup for something. Yeah, it's a totally great setup, and the and the the. The artist on that one and the writer, the the writer artist on that and the writer artist on One Piece came together to do what I'm assuming was like a Christmas bonus one shot, um, where the characters in that book, the character in that book meets the character uh, Luffy the pirate in One Piece. And the thing that's brilliant about it is, is that the the one thing that's been established about Luffy's motivation is he loves to eat. So he ends up on an island that's filled that where it starts raining meat and he's, you know, just goes on this huge eating spree. And then he meets Tobiko, the gourmet hunter. Now, Luffy has gained the powers of he's able to stretch, you know, very plastic manny um, because he ate the mysterious devil fruit that has given him superpowers. It gives you superpowers, but it also gives you a curse. And he wants to be a pirate. And because he's eaten the devil fruit, he cannot swim. So he's actually a guy. Yes. 
does the devil fruit only make you stretch? In which case, is it gingold? That would be fun. But no, the devil fruit gives different people different powers depending okay, on who okay. eats it or what brand you eat it. So the thing that's great is Tobiko, the gourmet hunter, is also on this island for some reason, and he and his chef buddy come across the devil fruit. You know, and they're like, oh, and it's as far as I know, maybe I'm wrong. It's never popped up in One Piece before, at least not in the 12 volumes that I read, which means very little in the 68 volumes that they published. Wow. Yeah, seriously. So I, I was, you know, they've, he's like, there's the devil fruit. And the great thing about it is it really looks like a rainbow poo. And um, they're like, huh, I've heard so much about it. Should we eat it? It kind of looks like a poo. And then, of course, you know, when uh, Luffy from One Piece shows up and he's like, oh, yeah, that's the devil fruit. It's awful. And then they have adventures and then there's like a bunch of scenes where I don't remember what they end up punching, but they end up punching some big monster and then they have a big banquet together. And I swear to God, I'm like, this is Shonen Jump Marvel team up. And it was entirely satisfying. I don't want to give away the spoiler of the devil fruit, but yeah, it's one of those things that they throw in free for Shonen Jump Alpha subscribers. I read it. I, I just read it actually an hour before we, uh, before we spoke and it was really, really fun. Uh, if somebody's like the world's biggest one piece fan, I could see where they might be tempted by it. But mainly I think if you read it, I think you'd be like, huh, that's really cute. And I enjoyed that. Okay. The end. Yeah. I think you, you ended us on a high point. <laughs> well, at least a comics relevant point, so we'll settle for that. that. That's enough of a high point for this episode. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so uh, we will see you next week, listeners. Uh, although we won't see you as such, because that technology hasn't actually been invented yet. Well, there's still a week around. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what lies ahead? Actually, iPad 3 is supposedly being announced next week. Maybe that will have the technology to allow podcast recorders to watch people as they listen. Yes. Ooh, the future. How exciting. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so yes, once again... Goodbye, listeners. Bye. Ah, see, there we go. The dulcet tone.